growing and increasing in number, a problem arose. A big problem arose in this church. Some Hellenistic Jews, that is some Jews who spoke the Greek language, some Jews who had taken on the Greek culture, they became upset because they felt their widows were not properly being cared for by the church. They felt that their widows were being overlooked by the church. They felt that the native Hebrew widows, they were getting proper benevolence from the church, but their widows were not. This shows us that in the time of the first century, in the time when there was no social security and retirement pensions, there could have been a lot of needy widows in this church. There could have actually have been thousands of needy widows in this church. Remember in Acts 4 and verse 4, the Bible tells us that by this time, the church in Jerusalem had at least 5,000 adult males. There were a lot of people in this church. The church is growing at a tremendous rate at this time. And this problem with the widows could have really hindered that growth. It could have really divided this church. It could have really distracted the apostles from doing the main work that God wanted them to do, and that was preach and teach the word of God. This problem could have really devastated this congregation, and the question is, how was it solved? How was it put down? How was this fire put out so that the church in Jerusalem could continue to grow and thrive for the glory of God. Well, going back to Acts chapter 6, we look again at verse number 2. After telling us about this problem in the church in verse number 1, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 2, the Bible says, So the twelve, that's the twelve apostles, they summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we, as the apostles, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Notice how during a time of crisis in the church, during a time when there was hostility between brethren, during a time when the apostles could have easily had got, had got distracted from doing the main thing God wanted them to do, Seven spiritually qualified men were appointed by the church. They were appointed to serve in the church. Now, the names of these men are mentioned in verse number five. Some of those names you see in verse number five, like Stephen and Philip, are names that are very familiar to you, while other names mentioned there are only mentioned there, and they're not found anywhere else in the New Testament. I believe, my dear friends, that the seven men whose names are mentioned there in this verse were actually the first deacons to be appointed in the church. They were likely the first special servants to be appointed in a local church, and we cannot underestimate the value of their work. We cannot underestimate the value of the work of good, Godly and hardworking and zealous deacons. Please go in your Bible to Philippians chapter 1. We'll come back to Acts chapter 6. You may want to put your Bible marker there. But in Philippians chapter 1, 
In Philippians chapter 1 and in verse number 1, the Apostle Paul begins the letter to the Philippians with these words. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers or the bishops or the elders and the deacons. So notice how this church in Philippi was organized in the right way. It was organized exactly in the same way they were organized here at Monte Vista. It was organized in the way that God wanted it to be organized. It had saints. It had holy ones of God, people who had been sanctified and set apart by the blood of Jesus Christ, people who had answered the call of the gospel, and it also had overseers. It had bishops, it had elders, pastors, shepherds in the church, and it also had deacons. It also had men like, I believe, those seven men that we can read about in Acts chapter 6. If you recall, last month we presented a lesson about the wonderful work of our shepherds. Remember that? We presented a lesson about the work of our overseers. We pointed out, we reminded ourselves of the fact that according to the Bible, the primary work that God has given our pastors here or our elders here or our bishops is the work of shepherding. It is the work of shepherding the flock of God, being among the sheep, smelling like the sheep, being with the people of God. That is the primary work of shepherds in the church. But the question is now, is what about these other guys? What about this other group of leaders that Paul mentions here in Philippians 1 in verse number 1? What about the deacons? Who are deacons? What do deacons do? How do deacons fit into the plan that God has for local churches? I think this is an important question. This is an important question for us to consider because while there are many misunderstandings about the work of shepherds today, there may even be more misunderstandings about the work of deacons. You see, while shepherds lead, feed, and tend to the flock of God, many people see deacons as nothing more than maintenance men. They see deacons as nothing more than men who have to be married and they gotta have some kids and they gotta be able to fix things around the church building. Other people see deacons as junior elders. They see them as men who have to occupy the office of a deacon before they can one day be an elder. Brothers and sisters, that is unscriptural. The Bible does not teach that at all. It does not teach that. The Bible does not teach that there are levels of rank and corporate ladders in the church that must be climbed before a man can become an elder. The Bible never treats being an elder as the pinnacle or the top position in the church and becoming a deacon is just one of those steps you gotta you got to take before you reach the top or the pinnacle. While elders do lead the people of God, while they feed the people of God, while they shepherd the people of God, God never wants them to be viewed as church bosses. He never wants them to be viewed as CEOs. And becoming a deacon is a necessary step you got to take so you can one day be a CEO. That is absolutely wrong. Unfortunately, some people view deacons as maintenance men or they view them as junior elders. And then you got some people who are just plain clueless. They're just plain clueless about the work of a deacon. My mentor, Max Dawson, 
who goes around the country working with churches on leadership. He actually wrote a book on it called Kingdom Leaders that's used in a lot of churches. He put it this way. He says in, from his observation and in all, in, in all the churches or many of the churches he's worked with and seen, it seems that in many local churches today you have the elders doing the work of deacons. And you got the preacher doing the work of the elders and you got the deacons just walking around wearing a title and they don't have a clue of what to do. A lot of deacons just wear a title. They don't know what to do. They don't know what their work is all about. And many members don't have a clue of what their work is all about. In fact, maybe that describes you this morning. Maybe you're someone here and you're just clueless about the work of deacons. If so, then I want to do something, okay? I want to help you. I want to help clear up that confusion. I want to help clear up that confusion. I want you to leave your understanding that deacons are not merely maintenance men. And they're not junior elders. And they're not just men walking around wearing a title with nothing to do. No, according to the Bible, deacons, deacons are servants. They're servants of God. They're servants of Jesus Christ. They are men appointed to serve and be servant leaders. That is exactly why the Holy Spirit used the word deacon to describe their work. You see, this word deacon in Philippians 1 and verse 1 comes from the Greek word diakonos. Diakonos is a word that means servant. We just sung about make me a servant. Diakonos. Diakonos means servant. It means minister. It means attendant. It means helper. It even means someone who executes the command of someone else. This word diakonos is actually used dozens and dozens and dozens of times in the gospel. Sometimes it's used in the form of a noun to describe a person who is a servant. And sometimes it's used in the form of a verb. It's used as an action word to describe the service of somebody. The word diakonos sometimes in the Bible is actually used sometimes to describe Jesus. Go in your Bible to Matthew chapter 20, please. In Matthew, the 20th chapter... In Matthew chapter 20 and in verse number 28, in Matthew 20 and verse number 28, Jesus said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's the idea of being a deacon there. But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There Jesus is talking about being a deacon. It's the same word. He's saying that he's the chief deacon. He's not just the chief shepherd. He's also the chief deacon in the church. He's the chief servant. He served all of us in the highest possible way by dying on the cross for our sins. Sometimes this word is used to describe Jesus. And then if you just go up two verses, you see that the word is also used to describe the apostles. In verse number 26, Jesus told them, it's not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your diakonos, shall be your servant. Should be a deacon, serving God, serving others. That's what Jesus tell, is telling the apostles there. And then sometimes the word is used to talk about a preacher. A preacher is to be a minister, a servant. And sometimes the word is used to describe a, a, a Christian in the New Testament by the name of Phoebe. She was a servant in the church. Doesn't mean she served in the office of a deaconess, but she was a servant. 
She was a deacon in that way. And then in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 15, Paul used the word to talk about the household of Stephanus and how they were involved in ministry, service, the work of deacons. And then in Romans 13 and verse 4, Paul also used the word to talk about the government. The government's a minister, a minister of God that serves God's purposes. And then look in your Bible at 1 Peter chapter 4, because I want to show you a couple of passages here where the Bible actually says, you ready for this? That every Christian is to be a deacon. Every Christian is to be a deacon. I'm supposed to be a deacon. You're supposed to be a deacon. We're all supposed to be deacons. In 1 Peter chapter 4, in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter says in verse number 10, as each one has received a special gift, implore it in serving, ministering. It's the same idea, same word. Men is serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Here, Peter is saying that every Christian is to use whatever talent and ability God has blessed them with to serve, to minister, to be a deacon in the church, to serve God and serve each other. I want you to go to John chapter 12. I, I, forgive me, I put John 14 on the slide. It should be John 12. Please look at John chapter 12, and I want to show you verse 26, please. Because notice how Jesus uses the word here. In John 12, in verse number 26, Jesus says, If anyone serves me, if anyone serves me, Jesus says, he must follow me, and where I am, there my diakonos, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Here Jesus is using the word, the word we're talking about both in the noun form and in the verb form. He's using it in both ways. And he is saying that every Christian, if you want to follow Jesus, you got to be a deacon. You got to be a servant. You got to be a helper, a minister. You got to be willing, willing to be someone who serves God and serves brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes the word, the word diakonos, deacon in the Bible, is used to describe every Christian. And sometimes it's used to describe Jesus. And sometimes it's used to describe the apostles. And sometimes it's used to describe people like Phoebe in Romans chapter 16. But I want you to also notice how it's used in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Go in your Bible now, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and look at verse number 8. After giving us the qualification for elders or shepherds in the church and the first seven verses of 1 Timothy 3, Paul then says in verse number 8 of 1 Timothy 3, Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or, or fond of sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also be tested and let them serve notice. Let them serve as deacons if they're beyond reproach. Look at verse number 12 now. Deacons must be the husbands of only one wife and good managers of their own children and their own household for those who have served notice, those who have ministered, served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Notice how the word deacon is used there in the text. 
Notice how there in that text, the word deacon is not used to talk about Jesus, and it's not used to talk about the apostles, and it's not used to talk about people like Phoebe in Romans 16, or even all Christians in a general way. Instead, here in this text, the word deacon is being used to talk about men appointed to an office. Men appointed to an office. It's used to talk about special servants. Our ministers are appointed by the local church to serve over specific needs in the church. It's just like we saw those guys back in Acts chapter 6. You see, just like those men in Acts chapter 6, men who are appointed today to be deacons are to be zealous about the work of service. They are to be faithful and passionate about the work of service. They are to be men who are willing to equip and facilitate and use other brothers and sisters in the church for the work of service. That's what Paul says that all leaders are supposed to do in Ephesians 4 and verse 12. All leaders in the church have a responsibility to equip the saints for the work of service. That's the responsibility of servant leaders. And I really want you to think about that. I want you to think about those seven men who were appointed in the Jerusalem church. If there were maybe thousands of widows in that church in Jerusalem, which is very likely. Do you really think those seven men attended to all those widows by themselves? Is that what you think? You really think those seven men purchased all the pots and the pans and they, and they did all the cooking and they personally went to every widow's house in Jerusalem delivering all those all those meals. Do you think that's really how it worked? Come on. Come on. Does that make any kind of practical sense to you or does it make more sense that these men delegated that work? And they ensured that this need was met by enlisting the service of other brothers and sisters in the church. Does it make more sense that they got some good brothers and sisters involved in helping cook those meals and buying pots and pans and delivering those meals? Does it make more sense that these men encourage other brothers and sisters in the church to put their hand to the plow and join them in this important work of ministry? Does that make more sense? Does that fit more of what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 12? This would be no different than one of our deacons, Brother Brian Sheely, enlisting the help of Chris Woodall to help take membership photos from now on. Or Brother Gary Bellinger assisting John Mosby in tending to the needs of our facility or any other brother or sister here in this congregation who assists and helps our deacons minister to the needs of the saints. Deacons are servant leaders. They're servant leaders in the church and we need to emphasize that they're over a specific work. They are over a specific work. Go back to Acts chapter 6 again please. And let's notice verse number three in the text. 
Remember the apostles said in verse number two, they came to the congregation in Jerusalem and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Notice how they call this, this work with the widows serving tables. Do you see that? Serving tables. That's what this is called. And they say, we, we can't stop what we're doing to serve tables. And so in verse number three, it says, therefore, brethren, select from among you men, seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom, if you got the New American Standard, it says, we may put in charge. Some translations say we may put over this work, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. This language here in verse number three is absolutely critical. It is absolutely critical language from the Holy Spirit. It shows us that deacons are appointed by the church and they have a signed task. They have a signed task. They have assigned works of service in the local church. They're not just a bunch of guys wearing a title. They're not just a bunch of men called deacons. No, they have specific, tangible work that they are over. That they are over, the Bible says. While the elders, while the shepherds, and I want to emphasize this, while the shepherds have authority to set up the parameters of their work, Deacons, according to the Bible, should also be viewed as men who have some authority. They have some authority. They have authority over the work they have been assigned. They have authority to make decisions pertaining to their work. They have authority to be supervisors and managers over their work. They should be viewed as men who are trusted to make good decisions and have good judgment. I mean, why would you appoint a man to be over a work who you think doesn't have good judgment? Because he has a wife and a couple of faithful kids, really? Why would you appoint a man to be over a work and he's not capable of making good decisions? Deacons should not have to be micromanaged. It shouldn't have to be micromanaged by the shepherds or by the church. The apostles didn't want to micromanage them. Don't you see that? They didn't want to micromanage these guys. I mean, can you imagine? Think about this. Can you imagine the apostles telling this church, hey, appoint these seven guys to be over this work. And every single day, these guys are bugging them. Every single day, these guys are coming to them and they're saying things like, well, hey, can we buy some pots and can we buy some pans? And can we put this widow on the list now? And can we get this person to help us do this work? The apostles would have went nuts. They would have said, what was the point of appointing you guys in the first place? We can't get our work done because you're, you're still bugging us all the time. That makes no sense. It would have defeated one of the main reasons for these men being appointed in the first place. If that was going on, the apostles would not have been able to focus on preaching and prayer by these seven men being over this work or put in charge of this work. The apostles were then freed up to do evangelism. They were freed up to pray and to preach and to do the work of an apostle. In our case today, the one the nine wonderful men who serve as deacons in this church, the nine men who are in charge of various works of service that frees our shepherds up. That allows them to focus on the work God has given them to do. 
and that is shepherd. That's be with the sheep, smell like the sheep, making sure that nobody here falls through the spiritual cracks. When it comes to me as a preacher, the work of our nine deacons gives me the opportunity to focus on the main work God has given me, and that's to preach. That's to preach the word and be in season and out of season. As Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 2, that's to study. That's to put lessons together, class together, evangelize to the lost, build up the saved with the word of God. I'm going to tell you all something. I would not be as prepared to stand before you this morning and give this lesson if I had to also work up, worry about fixing stuff around this building during the week. And if I had to keep up with the church finances and tend to the website and try to organize the men to lead worship today and tend to all the widows and the shut-ins in the church and fix the air conditioner and, and help keep up with the attendance. There's no way I could do my work while at the same time focusing on that kind of work. I can't do this work, preach and pray, while also focus on waiting tables. I can't do it. The apostles couldn't do it. Our elders can't do it. I can't do it. And I thank God I don't have to do it. I thank God that here we have faithful, hardworking deacons who are over all these works. They're in charge of all these works. They're, they are under the oversight of our elders, and they make sure that the work the elders have laid out for them to do, it gets done. It gets done. And that's important because the Bible says the work of deacons is a critical part of church growth. It's a critical part of church growth. Going back to this situation in Acts chapter 6, let me ask you a question. There's a problem there in the church. We've talked about it. this church has a problem. What kind of problem is this? What kind of problem is this in Jerusalem? Well, I want to suggest this is a twofold problem, okay? This is a twofold problem. First, it's a physical problem. You see that, don't you? This is a waiting on tables problem. You got widows who are hungry. You got widows who need benevolence. This is a physical problem in the church. But not only is it a physical problem, it's also a spiritual problem. It's a physical problem and it's a spiritual problem. You know why I say it's a spiritual problem? Well, look back at verse number one of Acts chapter six. Notice how in verse number one, the Bible says that this issue with the widows being neglected was causing some brethren to grumble. It was causing some brethren to to divide from each other and complain. It was threatening the unity in this church, but the appointment of these seven men helped put that divisive fire out. Do you see that? It helped put it out. In fact, beyond helping put this divisive fire out, the appointment of these deacons also enabled the apostles to stay focused on the work of evangelism, the work of preaching the gospel. And notice what happened in verse 7 as a result of the apostles being able to stay focused on their work. In verse 7, it says, in verse 7, it says, the word of God kept on what? Spreading. Kept on spreading. And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests. Even the priests? <laughs> We're becoming obedient to the faith. What is the Bible telling us there? Well, there the Bible is telling us that by these seven men fulfilling this physical need in the church, the church was able to keep growing. 
The church was able to keep thriving. The devil was not able to hurt the spiritual health of this church. Unity was maintained. Souls continued to hear the gospel. The widows were taken care of. The apostles were able to focus on their work. God was able to continue giving increase in his church. You see, what we see here, and hear me carefully on this, what we see here is an example of the great wisdom of God. Do you see God's wisdom here? This is a great example of the love of God and the care that God has for his people by blessing this church to have qualified men to serve as their deacons. The spread of the gospel was not hindered and a problem in the church was solved. It was solved. And you know what that means? That means that the work of deacons should be viewed as a blessing. It's a blessing from God. It's a blessing because there are a lot of needs in a church. There are a lot of needs in this church, in Monta Vista. And our shepherds and our deacons have fulfilled many of those needs. I mean, haven't you noticed that? Haven't you even noticed that this morning? Are you noticing your blessings right here and right now? Have you noticed the work of our deacons today? Have you noticed that because of the work of our hardworking deacons, we're able to sit in this auditorium in air conditioning right now. The air conditioner was ready to go when you walked in here today. You didn't even think about that. You didn't even think about how the deacons, they're a big part of that. We have a nice, comfortable building here in hot Arizona this morning because of the work of deacons. We got a nice parking lot to park our cars. We got functioning lights. We got restrooms. We got money that's going to be counted today, and the bills are going to be paid, and the finances are going to be updated and kept track of because of deacons. And we got PowerPoint today. And we got these projectors here. And we got a well-maintained website. And we got social media pages that are always updated. And we got membership photos that are going to be taken, Lord willing, next Sunday. And we got Bible class materials that have been printed and put together for the Hebrews class. And we got family talks and Bible reading schedules out there in the lobby. And we got the baptistry prepared and ready to go in case somebody wants to obey the gospel. And we had Lord's Supper packets prepared. And we got widows and shut-ins that are always looked after. And we got worship assignments that are attended to prior to us coming together here to worship God. And don't forget about how the building is unlocked. And it's going to be locked and secured today. And when things get broke around here, they get fixed. They get fixed so we can come here and comfortably worship God. There are just so many needs in a church. They get overlooked. And many of those needs are accomplished and served and attended to by the deacons. And I thank God for the deacons. I thank God for men who serve and minister to these needs. I thank God for Tom Boren and Ryan Dart and Austin Johnson and Lance McQuitty and John Mosby and John Revis and Brian Sheely and Stan Thompson and Chad Wagner. I thank God for every one of those men. I thank God for their families. And I wanna ask you to do three things for these men very quickly. First, I wanna ask you to be mindful of these men. Be mindful of these men. Be mindful of their work. Go to the website today. 
Go to the leaders portion of the website. Look at their pictures. Notice carefully what their work is. Understand that while much, much of their work is stuff that goes on behind the scenes, it is extremely important. It's extremely important. It's needed for us to do the things God wants us to do here as a church. Secondly, allow their works of service to inspire you. Let their work inspire you to be a servant. Understand that while you may not meet the qualifications of being a deacon, you're still supposed to be a servant. Remember what Jesus said after washing the disciples' feet in John chapter 13 and verse number, number 17? Jesus said in verse 17, you are blessed if you serve like I serve. You are blessed if you do this. Jesus, he calls all of us to be servants. He calls all of us to be servants. And so after you remind yourself, after you remind yourself of the specific works of our deacons, go to one of our deacons and see if there's anywhere where you can help them. See if there's a particular work of service that they are over that you could be useful to them. Call them, email them, text them, go up to them after service today and let them know that you're willing to serve alongside with them. You're willing to help them. You're willing to be useful. You're willing to put your hand to the plow and help them accomplish the work of service that they are over. And then thirdly, pray for them. Pray for them today. Pray for them every single day. Pray for their wives. Pray for their children. Pray that God will continue to give them good judgment. Pray for them as they continue to work with our shepherds. Pray thanking God that because of them, important things around here get done and other servants can focus on the work God has given them. Be mindful of them. Be inspired by them. And pray for them. In fact, let's pray for them right now. Will you pray with me, please? Almighty God, Holy Father, we're so thankful for this congregation, the Monta Vista Church of Christ. And Father, we are thankful for the leadership in this place. We're thankful for our shepherds, the men who lead this church, the men who watch over our souls, who do such a wonderful job, who do so much around here. We pray for them, Father, and we pray for our deacons. We pray for the nine men who serve as deacons in this church. We pray for their families. We're so thankful for them. And we're thankful for their servant hearts and the fact that they're willing to do so many things to help us function and glorify you in this place. Things that they don't get a lot of credit for, but they do them because they're trying to please you first and foremost. So God, thank you for these men. And let us be inspired by these men. Let us be inspired to be servants like they are servants. Let us be useful to them in any way that we can. And Father, thank you so much for the plan you have for local churches and for your son who died on the cross to purchase the church. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, go ahead and get a songbook. We're get ready to sing here in just a moment. Today, we have focused on what the Bible says about special servants in the church. But I want to close this lesson by just reminding us of who the chief the chief deacon is, the chief servant is, is Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 20 and verse 28. 
Jesus said, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, to serve, to minister, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus served us in the highest possible way 2,000 years ago by giving his life on the cross. And the question is, are you serving him? Are you serving the chief deacon in your life? If there's someone here this morning who needs to begin serving Jesus Christ, by believing in him and repenting of your sins and obeying his commandment to be baptized in water for the forgiveness of sins. Or if there is a member of his church that hasn't been living that servant life as you should. If you need us to pray with you and for you today, we'll be more than happy to do that. If there's someone here who needs to come to the greatest servant of all, if so, come to the front right now. As we stand